<laughs> Aren't you going to say something? Oh, you want me to? <laughs> no, 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 no. That, that was perfect. When you said, aren't you going to say something? <laughs> That's going to be like our intro thing where it's like a jokey thing. And... Oh, I like that. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Command SK. Yeah, welcome back, guys. All right. So we've, it's, we've been gone a while. We apologize, but we've just been wrapping up exam season, finishing up like final projects and stuff like that. So uh, finally, everything's over and we can get back to recording these episodes and, and hopefully providing you guys with more information and stuff because we're just we're, we're super smart like that <laughs> i'm kidding but you know we're, we're, we're excited to get back to this so let's get started um but so today we we have a few interesting things we wanted to talk about um you left out something very important trick what i have officially well not officially let's just say officially graduated so i am done my undergraduate degree in engineering yep <laughs> congratulations oh thanks finally i was waiting for that it only took a, about a few Decades. Yeah, that's true. I didn't say anything about it to him today at all, so Karn's a little upset right now. No, <laughs> you, no. Um, yeah, no, Karn, so Karn, Karn's graduated from his undergraduate degree, and I'm still in school suffering. No, I, no I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing a different degree. Anyways. Um, yeah, correction. He, he, he already suffered in his undergraduate, then he decided to go again, go back to complete a master's, so now he's suffering twice. This is and his suffer, own fault. And suffer more, right? Doesn't that make sense? Yeah, perfect. He's a masochistic. Masochistic. All right, let's get back to this. But, okay, so today we wanted to start off by talking about a few, few interesting things that I came across when it, um, in the world of healthcare. So the first interesting thing that I came across, which this isn't new or anything, but I just think it's a really interesting concept. So there's this village in uh, Europe that's pretty much been converted to, uh, quote unquote, an old folks home, I call it, for uh, dementia patients. It's it's uh, a village called, and I apologize for mispronouncing this, but Hojewik. Yeah, I didn't say that right. So it's located in in Wiesp, Netherlands. I I guess that's the, the province or whatever. But it's a really cool concept because pretty much what, what, how it works is that there's um, 152 residents in this uh, village and they're all, they're all um, you know, elderly patients. A lot of them have dementia, mild to severe, and it's, it's set up like a normal village. So you th- when you think of a normal, um, you know, home for patients with dementia or, or you know, elderly patients, it's, it's a designated home. It feels like it's a nursing home. You know, it's a very... Um, kind of, I don't want to say uh, depressing, but a kind of dull environment just because it doesn't simulate real life. Well, what, what this village does is it simulates a normal life pretty much. So there, there's grocery stores, there's restaurants, there's, um, you know, places to go, you know, play games, socialize, that sort of thing. And, and, you know, residents are actually able to carry out normal lives, cook at home. And the cool thing is, is that the nursing staff are pretty much integrated into that village and they, they go around and they make sure to um, provide proper health care to everybody, but in in a, in a setting that's very um, normal and and actually gives it um, like what you know what it says on this article from Business Insider is that it preserves their sense of autonomy, so they don't feel like they've lost control of their lives and they're still they you know it uh, to to me it almost seems like it would it would help them more as far as um, you know mitigating their dementia and um, you know not preventing their their um, you know, minds, for lack of a better word, from breaking down anymore. Uh, and, and just looking at this article, it says that there, the village has 23 houses where each has six to seven people living in it, uh, a caregiver to, you know, cook for them and, and kind of take them around to social events and help them go grocery shopping and, and keep an eye on them, obviously, to make sure they don't, you know, get injured or anything like that. 
Um, and, and it's not, this is, like I said, this isn't a very new concept. It started in 1993, and I think it's, it's really cool that they, you know, in the Netherlands, that they've come up with this sort of a concept because it really speaks to how, you know, care doesn't necessarily have to be given in, you know, in a hospital, clinic, whatever, like, setting. It can be given in a way that, you know, is definitely a lot more humane and allows people to feel like they haven't just lost control of their lives entirely. Um, but, but what do you think, Karn, like, looking, looking at this? Yeah, it's it's very interesting because I've recently been getting um, very uh, deep into the area of uh, psychology and getting really interested in, in the field of psychology, studying it. And uh, recently I've uh, been watching, listening to a lot of, uh, as everyone is probably familiar with, Dr. Uh, Jordan Peterson, uh, University of Toronto uh, professor of psychology. His A lot of his talks, discussions and things, and uh, you know, as a professor and, and uh, clinical psychologist, he is very well-versed and uh, experienced in, in the field. And so... Yeah. I've been getting more and more uh, knowledge dropped on me from listening to his talks, his interviews, all that kind of stuff. And one of the one of the things that I can relate to from listening to him talk on this subject, specifically related to, to elder care, uh, was the the um, the idea of like psychologically the best thing to do uh, for uh, within this like this context, if you're taking care if you're taking care of someone who is in an elderly state who's actually losing their se- their sense of independence, autonomy, capability in a lot of different areas, uh, the the worst thing that you can do in a sense is to actually uh, exacerbate that by uh, t- in a sense doing everything for them or doing uh, letting them l- letting you yourself take take over uh, um, much or most of the tasks that they would otherwise normally be capable to do or like have a hard time doing or uh, working on, but you know that they with enough try with with, with enough um, uh, time and and patience would be able to eventually uh, accomplish and and retain as much of their independence, freedom, uh, and and state as possible. And so that I, I like how this uh, situation is directly uh, speaking to that by you know giving them. Uh, giving them uh, first and foremost the environment uh, to let them uh, thrive or like the the environment that's most optimal for them to retain that sense psychologically and mentally definitely and and i and i like that it's also it's you know based on what you said that we're not in, in this sort of a situation you're not necessarily focusing on what you know these these individuals can't do or or they're unable to do anymore you're you're focusing on what they still can do and and you know doing everything you know in this case like the staff at at Darn it, Hojewick, um, are, are doing everything they can to, to emphasize that. For example, um, when it comes to the suit, like, you know, grocery stores and, and they actually allow their residents to go there and, and, and buy groceries as if they were living their normal lives, they don't necessarily use real currency because not everybody is, um, you know, in the right mind to do so. But, you know, some still are. And, and, and they, they allow, the, you know, those residents to do that. And, um, you know, make them feel like they're still, for example, budgeting their money and actually living you know, their real lives while in, in a safe space. So I, I think it's it's great that in this kind of a care setting, you're not focusing on, um, you know, th- you know, faculties or facilities, faculties, facilities, I don't know which one it is, facilities, I think that they've lost, but you're, you're, you're making sure to almost emphasize the things that they still can do. Um, you know, they, they have, it says here that they have bingo nights and, and they have social clubs and theater events and they can, they still allow them to, they have bars there so you, they can, you know, the elderly can still go and drink beer and wine if they want and, you know, have, have a good time. So they're, they're not taking anything away from them, which I think, which I think is great. And, and from what I'm seeing in this article, it actually, you know, has found that it's, it's, 
it, it is kind of slowing down the dementia in its tracks because they're not they're not lonely they're not isolated they're they're surrounded by others who are you know going through the same thing friendly nursing staff as well so I you know I think it's 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 a great concept overall yeah definitely yeah um, but yeah so moving on as well I, I wanted to talk about another kind of cool healthcare thing that I came across as well so uh, as a well, the, so there's an article on a website called uh, Moby Health News that was published April 18th of this year, and it talks about how Novo Nordisk, which is you know a ma major uh, major pharmaceutical pharmaceutical excuse me company, um, it's you know in collaboration with a company called Sempre Health, which is in San Francisco, they have launched a pilot program which pretty much will in incentivize. Um, diabetes prescription medication refilling through SMS for patients. And, um, you know, it's, it's just, I, again, I think it's a really cool concept because they're, they're, they're pretty much saying, if I'm uh, looking at this quite, you know, correctly, that they are offering, uh, so basically the more consistently the patients refill their diabetes prescriptions through, through the SMS service, the more uh, incentives will be available to them for, you know, discounts and things like that. So I, again, a, a really good example of how um, incentivizing patients especially can can work to your advantage as far as trying to encourage ad ad adherence and making sure that they're, you know, getting their prescription medications, especially for something like diabetes on time. But I mean, you know, just lo looking at, I, I don't know, Karen, if you have the article open right now, but like looking, looking at, you know, the, the program that they've set up, I mean, what do you, what do you think? Uh, I don't have the article set up, uh, opened up right now. Um, but like from what you described it, everything that you've mentioned, it it's definitely seems uh, uh, very promising. Yeah, yeah. No, it, so it's it's just a, just another example of how you know di you know especially digital platforms, and this isn't even something that's com you know necessarily as complex. I mean, SMS, it's not as complex as you know creating an app or something like that. So it's just another example of how digital platforms, especially, are becoming so much more important and so much more critical in in delivering healthcare services to. To, to patients, and a lot of the times it, it can it can work to your advantage far better than um, in the case of refilling medications, waiting, you know, kind of waiting on them to, or, or assuming that they're going to come to the pharmacy on time every month or two months or whatever it is to refill their medications. Um, so I, I think it's a, you know, another great example of how, you know, di you know these kind of platforms are diving, driving digital health forward. Um, you know, I, we're, I'll definitely make sure to keep you guys updated on what happens with this pilot program, just because I think it's it's really you know quite interesting. Um, but that's that's really all all that we had for for healthcare uh, for this episode. Uh, moving on, though, we wanted to talk about a couple interesting things in uh, technology. Current, I don't know if you wanted to start us off. Uh, yeah, sure. We have a couple of uh, topics to talk about. Uh, the first one is uh, I think the patent for Apple's um, quote unquote reinvention of the keyboard. Um, so this one was the article that we're going to link in the show notes should be uh, from Macworld. Um, and so this is kind of just going about a long uh, winded idea that we've had for many years and tried in a few different concepts and hardware prototypes and actual working devices that have tried this is um, replacing the, the hardware keyboard with a uh, uh, pane of either glass or a touchscreen combination of, of uh, a software mechanism with uh, uh, a screen that can, you know, in, in a lot of ways, as we know with software keyboards and phones and things like that, have advantages, but also disadvantages compared to hardware keyboards. Um, but in this case, it's uh, it seems like a very real possibility, especially with a lot of the news that we've been hearing recently. I don't know if you've heard about this, Rick, but um, 
the re reliability of hardware keyboards on MacBook Pros. Wow. Right. Oh no, just recently, like anecdotally, at least in the, in the circles of all of these heavy tech users who, who have the latest model um, with the new butterfly keys. Oh, with the bar like even uh, generation two butterfly? Yeah, the the pros from twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen, so like the MacBook Pro after the the redesign that came up, and like a lot of hardware issues have been coming up with the latest keyboard design. So it's people have been experiencing a lot of uh, yeah. <laughs> like what? Uh, just you know, f keyboard failing, uh, hardware issues. Uh, keys and like not working getting stuck all the, all the usual stuff and so it's kind of it, it's um, yeah you can see the paradox between the software implementation patent uh, and all of these things that are coming up and, and potentially going to be implemented in future products and the problems that they're facing now uh, in the hardware stuff but I think this patent uh, there's another patent that came about recently which was also uh, which was a hardware patent for keyboards, and that was specifically pre for preventing uh, them getting jammed and having issues that are being experienced by a lot of people right now. Right. Um, and a lot of the times, patents don't, uh, as with with any, um, almost any like domain, usually most patents never actually make it in their way into like real products and things. But uh, in this case, the the touchscreen thing, the mechanism for having kind of a dual screen setup, it seems it seems more likely now than than ever before. I think. Um, as like we've seen the, you know, um, I don't know what the term is, but kind of, uh, I would say, I would quote, like, uh, say this, uh, like this term for it would be something like softwareification, if I were to make up something <laughs> to describe this. It's kind of like the softwareification of, <laughs> oh, that's, uh, that was not a good word to use, but, you know, just kind of um, the, the uh, moving away from, um, uh, heavy hardware approaches with like just we've seen over the past couple of years in, in small things and big things from the general transition into uh, touch screens right. um, as input as main input mechanisms and then wherever we're going to go next with augmented reality and other things um, and then also removals of uh, asterisk is very well uh, aware of and not happy about ports and things and headphone jacks and <laughs> in, in those cases but also like um yeah, input mechanisms and yeah, there, there's a lot to to think about. And then this patent, as with most other patents, gives a lot uh, of possibilities in the future. But um, no, at least the fact that they're looking into this is uh, very interesting. I, I I don't know though. I, I I'm I'm gonna have to disagree with you there, man. I mean, the the, the very fact that they're looking into this just t speaks to how they. I mean, okay, unless unless they come up with a way to somehow magically make a touchscreen keyboard on on your MacBook or whatever feel as tactile as a physical keyboard. I, I, I don't think, I, I think very few people are going to get, you know, get on board with this. And I think I can speak for a large kind of percent of, of uh, Apple users and, and people in general who use laptops that they do like tactile, you know, physical keyboards with travel. That's, that's one of the, you know, re many reasons why I decided you know, even in 2016 to get a 2015 MacBook Pro because, um, first of all, I mean, I, I could have gotten used to the keyboard, yes, but I, I, I just like the fact that the 2015 MacBook Pros and the ones before had keys with quite a bit of travel and really made you feel like you were, you, you were, you know, you could type fast without worrying about having to mess up or, you know, your finger slipped and you'd type the wrong thing. With, with a glass, you know, with a glass or a screen keyboard, my, my concern would be, how how are you how would they ensure that it would be just as 
accurate, fine, more reliable than, you know, butterfly mechanism keyboard, but how do you ensure that it's more or, or the same amount of accuracy when you're typing words? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. No, we're seeing a lot of, uh, I think a lot of recent developments, uh, like uh, their foray into uh, Taptics and Haptics, yeah. and basically having, trying to emulate as much as possible hardware feel through um, kind of a, a mixture of software emulation and hardware sensors and, and capabilities. So, yeah, you're definitely right. And that's, this is one of the most, you know, tried and true arguments and things against um, the direction that we've been, that a lot of things have been headed. So, um, and then if you think about it, unless, unless they come up with a, you know, <laughs> unless they do the entire keyboard and Sapphire Crystal, which would make the laptop very expensive, you, you, then you also have to worry about, you know, not breaking the glass on, on the keyboard as well as the screen. And, you know, it, God forbid, if coffee or something falls on that, you're screwed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's, you know, a lot of things to <laughs> consider as always, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do that. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep looking into it. And if, if any other updates come out, we'll make sure to keep you guys updated. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and, then the, and then the other thing I know we, we said we wanted to talk about, Karin, was the rumors of a foldable iPhone. Yeah, so the foldable iPhone, it actually relates pretty closely to what we were just talking about with the um, foldable, oh, not foldable, the keyboard on the MacBook yeah. being a touchscreen. So essentially it's like a miniature version of that when you think about it. When you look at your iPhone, if you were to put it in landscape mode, yeah. add a foldable screen, you could set it down like a mini laptop and have that second screen. Video. Oh, legitimately, like it's going to be foldable. I was thinking it would, would have been like curved or something like that where it would, I, I thought it was bendable more than... Yeah, yeah. actually, there, there's multiple interpretations of this right now that are happening, but it's like you have a few different options of where they could go, of what it could happen, yeah. of what could happen based on the technology. It's like one of them, one of the uh, things is the uh, actual, like having two screens. We have a lot of prototype and release phones right now that are out right now that show foldable screen tech mm -hmm. where you have two. Uh, there's one that got released last month, I think, uh, that I saw reviews for. It was like a phone with actual two screens yeah. that folds. So it folds. It's like a... a I don't know how to say it, but like actually like a mini laptop, except the it's two screens that you can like, like remember those flip phones where it was like the keyboard would fold out, fold out yeah, in this and case, then you could like type on it. Like, yeah. Is that sort of thing? Kind, kind of that kind thing. Of. Yeah. But then there's the other thing, which is, so you have, okay, we'll distinct, make a distinction between a lot of the different like capabilities, the technologies, and then the applications. So it's like you have currently the most OLED displays mm -hmm. in like flagship phones and smartwatches are flexible OLEDs, which means that you can actually curve them and yeah. shape them, have custom shapes and custom uh, kind of paths uh, for the display assembly to like for the display assembly to follow right. in terms of like you can uh, curve them at the edges with the Samsung's phones have curved curved on the sides curving inward outward that kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, so you have different curves. The the screen tech uh, themselves can curve. You have glass which can curve and be like flexible. So you have all of those different things. You also have the circuitry and stuff. So you can have a phone that's actually these are early more early prototype stages, but like phones that are actually like a piece of paper that you can roll that kind of stuff. Yeah. So like all of these all of these different things are different technologies and different things that you can apply in different ways. Mm -hmm. The foldable phone that we just talked about, that's like a flip, like a, I don't even, I forget the term for that, but it's like. Like a flip phone, right? Flip phone or something, yeah. Or like those old tiny keyboard phones. Remember the LG one that, that had the black one where it, it um, flipped out and there'd be like a keyboard on the side and like a, a little screen where you could like type your text sort of thing just just for that? Yeah, yeah, I think. That I sort of thing, but like two screens instead. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I think. Is I that what you're thinking of? Yeah, I think so, yeah. So it was, um, yeah, something like that. Or then you can have, um, the rollable ones, like 
that rollable thing where you have like a display that you can actually roll like a piece of paper. That's so weird though. Because I like the, I like the aesthetic of a phone. You know what I mean? You feel that like metal and glass or whatever in your hand and yeah. you, you feel like, you know, the, 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 the coolest shit in the world because you have the, the, <laughs> I mean, sorry guys. Um, well, this is marked as explicit, so. Oh, it's fine? Yeah. Oh, okay. Fuck. We can fucking swear as much as we want. That's right. No, but so, yeah, like, I like the aesthetic of having a nice phone in your, even if it's not, you know, top of the line or anything, but just having a nice aluminum or glass phone in your hand, you, you know, you hold it to your face and you, you think about how, how you look with, you know, dope ass phone, you know, beside your face. Right. I I don't know, but like, even with your, you know, iPhone 10, I mean, it's, it, it, I mean, I hate the notch, but it's still, it's otherwise a nicely designed phone. You know what I mean? Like, how, how would you feel about holding having a phone that you could roll up like a little, I don't know, yeah. roll. <laughs> it's interesting that it's like when you, when you think about it like that, you think about the eventual like evolution of these technologies where it leads us, yeah. it leads us to devices that hopefully make it, or at least it seems like in the future, relegate their place in our lives in, in a good way to less of a, less of a, these pretty shiny, these pretty shiny, beautiful object things that we like, gaze at all day yeah and uh maybe i'm just a magpie like that but no i am too i'm like i'm like i share that feeling i think most people do but it's like moving away from that it's like actually might be a good thing think about it maybe that's true i just i just i just don't want this to turn into like black mirror type shit where you have it like implanted in your do you see that one episode um where do you watch black mirror i've seen i know what it's about and i've seen like that one episode where they have that little rice grain or whatever implanted in their head and you can call you can like play back your memories or whatever stuff like that that's that's kind of crazy. Yeah. I don't know if I want to. Yeah. I, I hope we don't get to that. I mean, you know, tell us what you guys think. Do you do you guys think we're eventually headed towards that type of a, a situation, or or is that too far off for our lifetime? Let us know. But yeah, probably not too far off for our lifetime. But yeah. So we're. I, I think that's that's it for like our t- our tech stuff. So let, let's talk a little bit about um, our, just our general thoughts on our undergraduate experiences. Because obviously, with Karin now finishing his undergraduate degree, I. I've been finished for a while. Jeez. He's um, an old man. So yeah, I'm I'm old. Even though I'm only a year older than him, he likes to remind me that I'm old that I'm an old man somehow. But anyways, so first things first, why bother with university at all? What do you think? Like Karen, why why did you bother with university to begin with? Uh, so if I were to just speak solely for myself, it's yeah. uh, helps it's t- when you have a when you have a focused career path, when you have a focused uh, line of sight for a career, for jobs, for your alignment for the alignment of your skills your uh, capabilities your circumstances of course uh, play a big role in that including finances and a situation uh, outside of outside of the purely academic play of of going to a program getting a degree barring all of that right the the main thing consider like when you when you have the option to so assuming you have the option to and then you're choosing between it not not just like uh in general for like anyone right that's that's a but if i were to talk about like people who are specifically looking at a program that they can right now get into or apply and go for uh, and whether to they're, they're considering whether to do it or not right that the that main point of contention is going to be centered around you uh, your your goals and your objectives mm-hmm. your alignment of your of your skills your abilities your future aspirations along with the current state of the environment of depending on what you're you're pursuing the industry the uh, job market right the economy the um, all of those factors and you, and more that I'm probably can't think of right now. Um, that's that's what you should form the basis of university around because in the end, when you consider it, it's a piece of paper that you're getting that uh, note that notifies the world that you have been accredited at achieving a certain level 
of status academically um, that is a that varies in its applicability and its usefulness and its utility and its outcome versus the inputs that you put into it uh, varies greatly depending like on a program uh, per program basis so yeah it's a very large difficult tough complicated question but um no I, and i and i think you make a valid point and you also have to think about and and i i'm i'm saying this because i relate to this so so heavily and i think kern you can also attest to this but and 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 it's not the easiest thing to do when you're you know just starting out going into your post-secondary education but go into it with the intent of a long-term plan and when i say long-term plan i don't necessarily mean you should know exactly what career path you're going to follow to you know down to the you know the exact job or role that you want but you should have a general idea of what direction you're going in right so for me i knew that generally speaking i wanted to go into healthcare so that's that's why i chose a degree in in you know pharmaceutical chemistry so especially for any any students just you know picking which program to go into that sort of thing really think about where where it's going to take you long term and whether that's where you want to end up you know in in 5 years 6 years because you it's it's unfortunate but true that you have to think about is this going to help me get a job and that's that's where i kind of want to bring up my next point that when i when i ask why bother with university at all university at all it also brings the point of contention of why bother with university at all when i can go to college for example and get hands on experience do you know what i mean so like do, what do you what do you what do you have to say to that so if someone someone were to ask you kern why should i go to university over college or or vice versa from my understanding like the yeah it's very um the advice i would have to give would be yeah it cuz how we look at something is different than how it's perceived you it's perceived externally right. right and so when you factor in specifically for a degree and its perception in the outward world which is what matters for directly which directly relates to its utility yeah. um it's not generally or not necessarily what how you factor into it but how you have to objectively factor the external circumstances and factors and variables and how they will they will determine more than you unfortunately uh where that degree will take you yeah but you also depending on where you're going what path you're following you also have to evaluate that level of Uh, I would say not not say freedom, but that level of um, that the the field of view that it provides you in terms of where you can go, because yeah. that field of view will rotate one eighty, get smaller, bigger, depending on the industry, depending on the type of degree uh, that you go for. Um, and so it, yeah, it's a very again complicated, large question, but that's kind of you know um, you have to take into account the outward perception more than. just you know your single singular soul uh focus on this degree and and what it can uh yeah so and and the fact of the matter is that you know going off of that that unfortunately it's true that you know not not to not to knock college degrees at all because i i absolutely agree that college degrees are much more hands on than university degrees and you know given the choice and if the circumstances and the external environment like you said current it was different i would have definitely gone to college but the fact of the matter is that it's it's uni- it's a university degree that will help you make that first step towards um you know the type of job that you're looking for especially if you're looking for one maybe that you know pays quite a bit more if you eventually want to move into like a managerial role or something like that 
Um, not to say that people with college degrees don't, it's just that having that university degree kind of bolsters your credentials, whereas if you're coming out of college, you can absolutely do it. But then it depends more on, you know, your level of your talent. Not to say that everybody's stu- stupid or anything, that, that, because that'd be terrible. But, you know, there are people who go to college, there are those who get those high paying jobs. They display from the beginning, like a high level of talent, whereas you know, when you get that university degree, I'm not saying you don't have to display talent, but you, you have kind of that buffer of saying, hey, I have a bachelor's degree, so I, I'm already a little bit more marketable. Um, so it, it really it really just comes down to to asking the right questions and, and you know, exploring different career paths. And, and that doesn't just mean, you know, careercruising.com or anything like that. Like it means actually finding people who are in those careers. Simplest example, if you want to be a doctor, if you know a doctor in your family, or if you've want to like be brave and just email email a doctor at a, a hospital or a clinic and be like hey can you tell me more about your your career path because that's the only way you're going to find out what you know what you really want to do um i can give a really i can give myself an as an example i initially wanted to be a pharmacist and and so because of that i you know i took my undergraduate degree accordingly and and i asked um in third and fourth year i was applying to pharmacy school so i started asking pharmacists that I knew in places where I volunteered at, you know, tell me more about what it's like in this field and, you know, what, what the pay is like and, you know, how long it took you to get to where you are. And, and, you know, they gave me very frank advice about the industry. And, and that in part is what, you know, encouraged me to, you know, quit pharmacy school after a semester because it, it wasn't necessarily for me. And, and, you know, look, look at me now, I ended up in a much better, you know, degree. It's still in healthcare, but it incorporates my, my interest in like using technology and that sort of thing. So really ask those questions from the beginning to get to get a better idea. I think that's what it comes down to is being informed. Um, yeah. So the, the next thing that we wanted to kind of talk about when it comes to undergraduate experiences is finances. And when I say finances, I don't just mean, you know, tuition. I'm talking about how how just like a little bit on how we managed our, our finances in general during that time, because it, it costs a lot of money. Right. So Fern, do you want to start by maybe telling telling everybody about you know, how, how it's changed from, for you from going from first year to your last year? Yeah, sure. Um, as someone who is very into fitness and health, uh, I love eating food. I love it. Absolutely eating. And I eat so much food. I have to eat, a, well, especially now, especially when you get over 200 pounds and uh, pretty muscular. It's like the amount of food you have to eat to sustain or build muscle. Uh, it's pretty high. And so with university and you get busy a lot of the times or you want to have fun, you, depending on the type of person you are, you'll party a lot, you'll have fun, you'll be busy, you will be lazy, you will do a lot of things. And so that will influence uh, in a lot of ways uh, how you spend your money, whatever you choose to spend your money on if you're someone who likes to party a lot. I know of people who spent a ridiculous amount of money on booze. For me, the, tra- the, the transformation was food. I literally spend the most money. On it. If I had to uh, sort by the amount of money that I spend on things, I think the... The thing that I spend the most money on, other than probably like living uh, expenses for for like a house or rent or whatever, would be food by far. And it would be sadly pretty close, I think, to how much money I spent on rent or maybe even more. Oh, my God. Anyways, getting uh, sidetracked. Uh, I spend a lot of money on food because I eat a lot of food. And if you eat out a lot, uh, a lot of money... More, a lot more money than you'd normally spend going to the grocery store and cooking if you had time to cook or, uh, you know, all that kind of jazz. <laughs> yeah. uh, so for me, it was eating out a lot. And for me, eating a lot means eating more than 3,000 calories a day, eating more than four or five, six meals sometimes on bulking. So 
Um, yeah, when you're spending, if you're spending uh, a lot of money on food and you're eating out a lot and you're eating a lot of calories, uh, that adds up to a lot of money. So when you don't have time, for example, when you're uh, a busy university student, you could replace busy with party, loving, or lazy uh, student. And you just want to you know, go to the cafeteria, go out to restaurants, go wherever, and spend money on food to eat because it's the most convenient, it's the best tasting, whatever reason you have. Um, uh, for me, how I've transformed is you know, being, like, taking the time to actually learn more f- efficient and effective cooking me- uh, techniques and mechanisms to be able to actually offset uh, potential costs that I'd otherwise allocate to eating out all the time every single day yeah. for a lot of food. <laughs> so that's kind of, um, it's, it's a smaller transformation than a lot of people go through, but also, you know, my tech addiction, I've rec- very recently been taking it a lot more seriously in terms of saving up money and not spending it on, uh, extra, not extravagant things, but I mean, uh, you know, tech products, Apple products, yeah, just Apple stuff, <laughs> yeah. basically not spending money on Apple products. And, you know, it's weird as you get older and more, Dare I say it, mature. You, you, the the need and 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 lust and desire for for continuously updating and buying new things so it reduces more than more than you'd expect, or at least for me it did. And so that, in combination with the food uh, decision, it made it a lot easier uh, impact on my wallet. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I I mean, for me, I'm gonna I, I kind of have a similar thing to Karns. Only in my case, I I used to not only spend a lot of money on food. Like okay, first year. I don't think I talked about this before, but first year, it was so bad that I would literally have, um, like heavy, like burgers and fries and, and pasta and stuff. And I went to the university of Guelph, by the way, they have amazing food. So I, um, I, I used to have those kind of things for my meals and then for snacks, guys, for snacks, I would have slices of pizza and donuts and Kern knows this. It was terrible. I gained not the 15, the freshman 25. It was bad. A lot of money was spent on on food on campus, um, but on top of that, I used to buy, you know, tech products as well. I, I'm into that as well, and and uh, clothing and stuff like that, and just little things that I was like, oh, this looks cool. Let's let you know, let's get it. Um, but but what changed is is by fourth year, like kind of like Karen said, you 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 sober up, you mature, you you really think about. In my case, I I now stop to think about, do I really need to spend money on this? And and more than that kind of counterintuitively I know because I'm a huge food fanatic I am going to spend money on food it's you know and it's not necessarily like you know expensive food or cheap food just food in general so because I know I'm going to spend money on that I think about where else I cannot spend money so it's not even about stopping yourself sometimes it's about thinking about where you really don't need to spend money so you can spend money on the things you really love does that kind of make sense? I know it sounds a little counterintuitive, but it's it's kind of like diverting, you know, money towards things that you can obviously take into account that I, I had to, you know, spend money for you know tuition and then transport. I commuted, so transportation, things like that. So it really just comes down to developing a, a technique for it, because as as me and Karen are both finding out now, kind of walking into the adult world is that you need every cent you can get or well, not every cent anymore, every dollar you can get. You know, so we, we, you know, we, we're trying to save up as much as we can. Um, so that's what it really comes down to, especially for those who are living on residence and who are going into the first year. Start, start doing that stuff now because it'll, you're, you're going to thank yourself, um, you know, a lot by the time you finished your degree. Um, 
Yeah, but I mean, that's all we really had to say on finances. Now, the last thing that we kind of wanted to talk about was um, general like do's and don'ts when it comes to your university experience. And these are going to be honest, unfiltered. We're coming up with these on the fly, so bear with us. But what do you think, Karn? What are, what are do's and don'ts in university when it comes to anything? Classes, f- food, whatever. Mm. Number, Number one. Mm. Let's see. I have to think about this. Uh, okay, off the cuff. This is going to be... Oh, this is going to be wild. This is going to be crazy. Yeah. Um, one is figure out as early as possible which classes you don't actually either fall asleep in yeah. or that you actually uh, appreciate the professor in, you appreciate the material in, as early as possible. Find that out. Specif- like fi- find those uh, specific courses, specific topics, materials, because those will... Uh, only get only expand and get further and, and, and depending on your program of course elective wise whatever else wise will allow you to really you know get deeper and dig uh, deeper into that uh, pit of knowledge uh, and experience and really you know uh, allow you the ability to explore and pursue uh, your passion because there's so many different opportunities uh, and so many different uh, avenues and people and networking and, and, and communities and everything probably regardless of wherever you are or wherever you go that can help you uh, in those areas and because I know as so many of the people I know including myself have uh, missed classes not gone to class all that kind of stuff and that's one of the things where you know most people would probably say like don't do that but I would say it's you have a flexibility there it's not really a moral obligation unless you know you're you're fl- flunking your classes all that stuff like I'm saying definitely <laughs> don't do that but uh, assuming that you know someone like me uh, where like I don't have to go to class to do decently well um, but there are specific classes and specific topics and professors and, and materials where I'm laser focused and I uh, try to understand which the, uh, try to understand uh, what those were as early as possible in my degree and that helped me greatly when uh, for, for me choosing electives and stuff but also career-wise also in, if you have co-ops for example my university University of Waterloo has co-op programs so you get uh, a chance up to six uh, um, internship opportunities basically throughout the, the course of your five-year program um, and you know uh, figuring out what I really wanted to do and what I was really passionate about as early as possible through my courses through my classes through kind of an innate an innate natural tendency like, like observing my own behavior and analyzing it and kind of taking that further a step further every semester every term every uh, chance I got and then that overall like in the end it helped me really get focused and, and highlight what I wanted to do or the areas that I wanted to pursue or explore that I was interested in and that I was deeply passionate about that I knew that I could excel in because you translate you translate that small thing of your experience within a class your, ex- uh, your experience listening and, and hearing and, and uh, also talking um, and then you translate that into how well you do you translate that into exams you translate that into courses and translate that into the people you meet the professors uh, or students or other people, or faculty, alumni, all of those people that you meet, that you talk to, that you converse with, build networks with, your jobs, your job experiences, your you know skills, everything that you build, you develop, all of that that branches out into helping you form who you're going to be when you grow older, when you get wiser and smarter, and you uh, get towards the end of your degree, and all of that's culminated in in kind of, for lack of a better word, a new you. So you know that's kind of my off the cuff thing. Wow, that was really detailed. Mine's not nearly as detailed. I was going to say number two. Do number two. Do, number two. do <laughs> think of the textbook or Google as your best friend. Let me explain. 
those going off occurrence, there are classes where you are going to fall asleep or classes where you're not going to want to show up. I promise you. And in those situations, because I, I mean, I, I still, I still wanted to do as well as I could have in those classes. I read the hell out of the textbook or, or, um, depending on the class, you know, use Google or YouTube videos, you know, for like chemistry 101 or something like that. It, it really saves lives. I'm not kidding. The textbook is your best friend. If there are classes you feel like you need to skip, I, you know, we, we get it. We've been there. Skip the classes if you need to, but make use of the textbook. I'm not kidding. It, it will save your life. Mm. You just, yeah. Lifesaver. Yeah. yeah. Right. Would you agree? Like, what about, did you feel like you used, um, like if you skipped a class, did you catch kind of catch up quote unquote by using like the reading a textbook or like Googling? Like what did you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that actually is, that was into another topic that I really want to talk about. It's actually something, uh, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. Is that okay? No. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, Shrek was gesturing, was just gesturing to me. He said, of course, Karen, you're the best. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so yes, exactly. So yeah. yeah so just a short one. Uh, yeah. So that actually went into, so Understanding your learning style is crucial. It's key. The university gives you a chance to do that, uh, to do that that high school never did. So, um, so figure out your learning style. Figure out how you learn best, like what ways you learn. Um, for all of the rigidity that can be the class environment, uh, because you're given, because of the external resources, the people, the, the, the objects, uh, the books, websites, the internet, all that stuff, good stuff that you have, um, because of the combination of all those things, you really want to dive deep into figuring your, out yourself as a person in terms of a stu- as a student, and not a student in the context of university, as a student in the context of life. So when you, because you're going to translate and apply what you learn or how you learn and how you educate yourself in all areas of life down the road. Uh, so this is a great opportunity to, to do that when you get into to the program and you, you build that. Um, yeah. So, oh, sorry. What were you asking initially? Because I, I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna answer that. I was, I was gonna answer that, but I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to bring it back to that question. Well, first things first. Let's finish off what you just said by saying that's actually a really good number three. So do really figure out your learning style. It'll, it'll really help you, you know, throughout your university and ex- experience and, and and afterwards too. Yeah. Oh, I just got it. I, I got it. Okay, now I, I got it. Okay. okay, I just remembered. Yeah. So, so for me. For me, I can read the I can read the lecture slides the day of the the day the two hours before the exam and know it. But that's just me. So like the, the, that's why when I'm relating back to, to my learning style, I'm different than other people. Uh, just trying to be honest here. So like for yeah. me, I don't go. To, I don't have to go to class, uh, read the or, or uh, you know read the textbook or slides, whatever that is, the reading material. For most of my stuff, it's been uh, te- uh, it's been slides. So everything's been translated onto slides by the professor. So I can just be on my iPad or my my laptop in bed. Yeah. Were those slides detailed enough though? Yeah. yeah. Most of the time they were. Wow. Okay. Well, I, I mean, yeah, yeah. So like I will sit in bed, I will read on, I'll read the slides on my iPad and I'll just try to understand the material that way. And I don't write anything down. Like I've, but that's my learning style. Like I actually don't need to write anything down to learn. So I study for most of my exams literally by not memorizing what I read, but trying to understand what I read and actually be able to, uh, the, uh, this was a, this is a famous, you know, way of, of, of uh, knowing that you truly understand something is for your ability to take what you've learned and apply by teaching other people. So if you can do that, uh, I use that mechanism on myself. So that's my style of studying. That's what I've honed in is I will learn material by just reading through the slides and I'll un- try to understand it. And I don't need to write anything down. By the end, I teach that to myself repeatedly and until I learn from myself, if that makes sense. I teach myself until I repeated, repeatedly teach myself until I learn from myself 
from the slides that I read. So if I, um, like some of the courses I've had, they've had like 500 slides for over the course of the entire course. I can do that in a couple of days, read the slides, understand the material, then continually use the, the technique and approach to study for an exam and do fine on it. So that's kind of my approach, but definitely because you have to understand your learning style. For most people that, unfortunately, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was just going to say, unless you're a freak of nature like Kern, and I mean that in the best way, Kern, but like if, unless you're a freak of nature like Kern, really, really think about what your learning style is because, holy, no, I, I was the complete opposite. I wrote notes. I wrote summary notes. I summarized my summary notes. Otherwise, nothing went in my head. Like I, I wrote the crap out of everything. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's, <laughs> that's perfect. Um, okay, so number four then, I'm going to say do not... And this is for anybody who's in any kind of science or any kind of like physics, biology, whatever STEM. field, STEM. Yes, that's what the word I was looking for. Thank you. STEM um, program, do not plagiarize labs. You, you know what I'm talking about, people, older people. Well, don't plagiarize anything, but specifically for labs, and I'll tell you guys why. Because I have seen so many situations where, uh, you know, students plagiarize the, their lab reports and... Oh, I, I stopped it. Never mind. Okay, no, I'll, I'm continuing. Yeah, keep um, going. Karin messed this up. So, yeah, so, yeah, I see your battery's low. No, so, <laughs> um, what was I saying? Yes, so do not plagiarize lab reports because there have been so many situations I've seen, and I've, I've TA'd like one or two chemistry classes, but I've seen a lot of situations where first years, second years, they and and you know, so I you know who you are if anyone's out there, but we'll play, try to plagiarize um numbers in in chemistry labs especially or physics labs where you're supposed to get get a certain number and people will plagiarize down to the last like decimal place and and it's like how, how do you think no one's going to catch that because i guarantee you eight to nine times out of ten your ta will catch it and you will be screwed so do not plagiarize lab reports especially you know the wording the the numbers anything and that's screwed in the way you like sorry that was bad bad joke bad joke okay bad joke but yes okay next I think that, that that's good enough for now. Yeah, okay, Karin's out of gas. Okay, so um, the last thing before we wrap up, guys, is I really would just, really quickly, I wanted to talk about the Scandal season finale, season series finale, the fact that it aired, um, well, we're in Canada, Eastern time here, so it aired yesterday, uh, 8 or 9 p.m. Eastern time. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but I really want to hear anyone who's a Scandal fan's thoughts on the finale. Let us know on Twitter. Let us know on our Facebook page. Uh, leave a comment. We, I really want to hear your guys' thoughts. I haven't seen it yet. I really hope it comes out on Netflix soon. I'm excited for it. And we'll, we'll let you guys know my thoughts about it in, in our next episode. But other than that, I think that's, that's pretty much it for our uh, episode. And I guess we'll see you guys in the next one. Yeah, we're going to have some exciting stuff coming up in the future. Just want uh, to like, you know, tell you guys in advance. Uh, and uh, you guys are going to really like it. Yeah, that means Apple stuff, guys. No, no I'm kidding. I'm sure there's more than that. See you guys in the next one. Otherwise, let us know what you'd like to hear about next time at Command SK on Twitter. These are the three idiots in a minivan driving away.